Well, ladies and gentlemen, young and old, welcome to Next Generation Youth Ministry Podcast. I am your host, as always, Pastor Daquan McKnight, and I pray that each and every single one of you is having a great and a blessed and a prosperous week. We have been discussing in the last segment here on Next Generation Youth Ministry Podcast about Christmas. And we're going to examine Christmas in further length, since many people have wondered, what is the true meaning of Christmas all about? Who is it centered on? And last segment, we looked at, it is all about Jesus Christ, and we answered the question, who he is. And we said that he is the sinless son of God, who became God incarnate in the human flesh, who went to the cross to die for our sins, rise from the dead, and to offer us the gift of eternal life and to offer us the free gift of salvation. Today I want to talk about one of my favorite, favorite Christmas stories out of the entirety of the Bible. And it's the story of the wise men that brought gifts unto Jesus Christ. And if you have your Bible available to you, take it and go with me to Matthew chapter 2 verse 1 through 12. Matthew chapter 2. You know, as a matter of fact, we'll go to verse 11. We'll go to verse 11. We'll not go to verse 12. We'll go to verse 11. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 through 11. The Word of God reads this. And I'm reading from the New King James Version of the Bible. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, Wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled or disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. In other words, there was an uproar within the city. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So he said to them, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child, and when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. When they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother. And they fell down and worshipped him. And when they opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And tonight... I want to talk to you all on a subject entitled, The Wise Men Still Seek Him. The Wise Men Seek Him. Let's pray. 
Lord, we thank you now in the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you for your inspired word. We thank you that your word is truth. We thank you that you are God and that you do not change. Lord, as we study your word tonight, we pray that we will study more about you and that we will continue to search for you and that we will share you with the world and that we will also serve you with the heart of a servant. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. As you can see, Christmas is upon us within 23 days. And I know many of you have probably have done your Black Friday and your Cyber Monday shopping and pretty much have gotten your Christmas stuff taken out of the way or bought in advance like I am. Or maybe there are some of you out there who like to procrastinate and wait till the last minute. That's okay. We pray for your heart and mind. <laughs> anyway, do you know one of the greatest challenges when it comes to Christmas? The greatest challenge when it comes to Christmas is buying Christmas gifts for either your loved one or your friends. Now, why would you say that's a challenge, Pastor McKnight? The reason for that is because it's hard to find out what people like nowadays. I mean, when you look at what they have, you'd be like, nope, not getting them that. They already got that. I see that they already got that. That's not going to work. Many times what people tend to do is either give them either gift cards, cash, or send money through Cash App, which is an easier way to get them a gift. And other times for Christmas, many people would tend to do is make homemade gifts, homemade from the hand, from scratch, so to speak. There is an interesting story, and I'm sure many of you have heard it, it's called The Drummer Boy. Now, I know some of you have probably have heard that, Carol, but listen to this story. One little boy had the best idea of all for a Christmas present. Although the lad is a fictional, he touches our hearts every year, and he teaches us something about giving. He is the little drummer boy, created by a classical music composer and teacher named Catherine Connecticut Davis in the year 1941. But 10 years later, her song was recorded up to 1951 by the famous trap family singers of the Sound of Music fame. Now, what is the little drummer boy? The story tells of a poor drummer boy who was summoned by the wise men that we're going to look at. And he was to accompany them to find the newborn king of the Jews. Upon seeing the Christ child, the little fellow realized that he had nothing to give. But then he thought of something. Shall I play for you, Parump? Parum pum 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 on my drum. I'm sorry, I don't have good singing, but bear with me, guys. Mary nodded. Parum pum pum pum. I played my drum for him. Parum pum pum pum. I played my best for him. Parum pum pum pum. Then he smiled at me. Parum pum pum pum. Me and my drum, etc., etc. That was the best um, little creativity music I came in. But anyway, this modern carol teaches us that the best gifts are not necessarily expensive, but they are heartfelt, personal, and honoring to Christ. They bring a smile to others and joy to the heart of our Lord. That puts giving, or the gift of giving, as we would say, in a different category altogether, doesn't it? Now, we can't say if we 
know if any drummers accompanied the wise men on their trek to find Jesus. But we do know is that the story of the wise men has survived its tale and it has survived its history and it has been told from one generation to another generation to another generation. Now you don't hear the story spoke of that much in churches. Now they might read it out of the Bible for a nice little Christmas message, but I want us to examine this story in a great perspective. Now we need to ask ourselves the three kings or as we would say the magi of Christmas. When you read the story of the birth of Jesus in Matthew and in Luke, we realize that Mary and Joseph were not the only ones who were awaiting for the coming of the Savior. You see, when you come to the end of the Old Testament, you come to the time known as the intertestamental period, known as the 400 silent years, in which Rome was ruling the world and was bringing oppression to the Israelites, to the Jewish nation. And the Jewish nation kept wondering, when will the Messiah come to free them from their bondage, from slavery, from Rome? Now, Mary and Joseph weren't the only ones who were awaiting for the coming of the Savior. There were Jewish rabbis that were awaiting for the coming of the Savior, such as Nicodemus, the one who came to Jesus by night and said, Teacher, we know that what you're doing has to be from God and that you are from God. No man can do the things that you're doing unless God is with you. Not only was Nicodemus awaiting for the coming of the Savior, but there was also the old man Simeon in Luke chapter 2 in verse 25, and then the prophetess Anna in Luke 2 in verse 36 through 38. But the biggest of all, the biggest group of people that were awaiting for the coming of the Messiah was the Magi, the wise men, or as we would say, the three kings. Who were these men? Where did they come from? How did they get to where they had to go? And what would interest them in a star that occurred in the heavens. First off, we have to realize that in Matthew chapter 2, something occurred in the heavens that captured the attention and the mind of the wise men. Now, many people have wondered, what was that attention? And that was the great star, the great star. Now, many have asked the question, did that star actually exist? Or is it just made up? To be honest with you, that star did exist. It was used as a manifestation from God, a divine manifestation, to guide the wise men as they were on their trek to find the baby in the manger, Jesus Christ. Now, who were the wise men? Now, before we get into that, I want to say this about the star. Now, there have been many speculations about what the star of Bethlehem was. Some have said it was either a supernova. Some have said it was a comet. Others have said that it was a conjunction of planets. Or others have suggested it was a supernatural apparition. Now, many people have said, well, can that actually have happened? It could have. And in fact, other historical documents have records similar events. For example, in about 4 BC, a comet was recorded. We also know that Jupiter, Saturn, and Mars came together in the form of a fish back in 6 BC. We also know that in 
1987, there was a supernova. Back in 1603, Saturn and Jupiter converged together. And we know in 12 BC, Halley's Comet was visible. So we know one thing. Besides the scientific and historical speculation, as we said, the Star of Bethlehem was a divine manifestation used by God to guide the wise men. Now, how did the wise men know to follow the star? They must have read Numbers 24, 17, in which it says that a star will arise out of Jacob. And that star will also have the scepter of leadership as a king. Now, who were the wise men, as we said? We'll come back right after this short break. back for our next segment. Now we're going to ask the question and answer the question, who were the wise men? We know that the wise men were a class of scholars, wise men and magicians who served as advisors to the Persian and Babylonian rulers. Now these men had great status in the courts in those days. And note too that they were the priestly caste among the Persians and the Babylonians. They would also confirm for the world the signs that occurred in the heavens. That's why they're known as astronomers. And that's where we get the word astrology, the study of the stars, the planets, the universe. And they were studiers of ancient philosophies. Now the Bible never tells us their names, but many have speculated that it was Caspar, Melchior, and Balthasar, that they were from Persia, Ethiopia, and Mesopotamia. Now, how did they know about the Messiah? It was possible that most likely the Hebrew scriptures were part of the royal archives in various parts of Mesopotamia. You see, copies of the Old Testament were probably written down and distributed throughout parts of the ancient world. And note too, it is possible that these men, the wise men, must have stumbled upon them probably after the time of the Babylonian captivity when all of the sacred writings were probably regathered and stored for safekeeping that the wise men must have stumbled upon a copy of them and they read in Numbers 24:17 within the Pentateuch or within the Law of Moses about a star that will arise out of Jacob. Now, why is the wise men so important? I'll tell you why. Many have asked the question, how many of them were there? Now, many have suggested three. Others said 12. Many have even went and said probably 500 because they're traveling entourage. But I believe it was three because three gifts were given. What is so interesting is that there are five key points that I want to look at in studying about the Magi. Number one, they studied about the Messiah. They studied about the Messiah. When they saw the star, they must have gathered together and said, Hey guys, do you see that in the sky? Do you see what I'm seeing? Have you ever seen anything like this before? It has to mean something. Let's check the sacred writings. 
And one of them must have came upon one of the Old Testament scrolls and said, Ah, oh, hey guys, hey fellas, check this out. I was reading somewhere here in the book of Numbers about a star arising out of Jacob. And then they looked at each other and said, It could mean something. The Messiah is coming. He is on the horizon. He is on the way. Let's study more about this man. And so the wise men took great time and great length to go through the Old Testament to learn more about this coming Messiah. Not only did they study more of the ancient prophecies in regards to the Messiah, but they also searched for the Messiah. They went great length. They gathered up everything. They're like, okay, we studied about him. Now let's go search for him. Let's see if he is the fulfillment of these prophecies. They traveled hundreds and hundreds of miles by camel. Thank God for camels back in the day because they can't hold up gallons of water and they can outdo the winds and the sandy dust of the ancient world. Thank God camels were helpful back in the day. So they loaded up their camels with their goods, their wealth, their gifts, and they traveled on. Now it wasn't just a two-day journey. It probably took them at least a full year in order to reach the city of Bethlehem to find baby Jesus. Not only did they study and search for the Messiah, they also shared the Messiah. They also shared the Messiah. They didn't keep it within themselves. When they got to Jerusalem, they're like, hey guys, where's the baby who's been born? King of the Jews. They let them know, hey, we're looking for the promised one. We're looking for the promised Messiah. And nobody could tell them where he was. And Herod, who was six months from his own death at that time, he was old and cynical, he was paranoid, he was angry, and he was afraid that anybody might take the throne away from him. In fact, he had his own children eliminated and executed for fear that they may take the throne away from him. Had some of his own wives executed as well. And Herod hears this, says to the priest, where does the prophet predict that the Messiah would be born? And they quote to him Micah chapter 5 and verse 2, which talks about the Messiah being born in Bethlehem. And here's another key thing. Now, Jesus, as God incarnate in the human flesh, he's all-knowing. He was aware that Herod, who was ruling in Jerusalem, was afraid that the baby might take credit away from him. And he sends the wise men to find him and say, search for the child and bring me word again so I could come and worship him and bring him on. But instead, Herod wanted to kill him. We know from history and from the biblical account and according to the words of Josephus that Herod died six months later. He was traveling down from Jerusalem to Jericho, down by the Dead Sea, which is the saltiest sea in the land of Israel today, to try to survive the winter months. But he doesn't do it and it didn't go as planned. And guess what? When he died in Jericho, an entourage brought his dead body back to a place, Bethlehem. The same place where he also ordered the death of all the newborn babies, he was buried in the Herodium, in the great mountain fortress that he had built for himself. And for years, the Israeli archaeologist Ehud Netzer searched for the remains of the tomb of Herod. And after nearly 30 years of looking for it, he finally found the tomb. Today, there's a sarcophagus in the museum in Bethlehem 
the sarcophagus of Herod, which indicates that there really was a King Herod, and there was an incident in which he tried to claim that he was the ultimate king of the Jews. Now, he was ruling under Augustus Caesar. He's sort of a puppet king, so to speak, but a king who thinks, I'm the king of the Jews. I'm the one buried in the mountain. But the real king of the Jews was the baby born in the manger. There the child laid in the manger, worshipped by shepherds, and then also by the wise men, who arrived sometime late, later and realized this is the true king of the Jews. This is no ordinary baby, they said. This is the one who is the fulfillment of all the ancient prophecies of the Old Testament. Not only did they share the Messiah, they sacrificed for the Messiah. They took their time, their energy, and wealth to travel to find this baby. And when they found him, they realized the journey was worth it. We're not leaving till we find what we are looking for. And they found it right there in the manger. Not only that, they served the Messiah. They offered him gifts unto him. You see, back in the ancient world, when you come before a king, you weren't supposed to come empty-handed. You better had a token of appreciation or tribute to give to the king saying, this is how I want to honor you. And they had gifts on them, expensive gifts, which according to history may have helped the family in their trip to Egypt, which financed them when they fled into Egypt to escape Herod's death penalty. Not only did they give him gifts, but they worshipped him. They didn't just worship a baby. They didn't just fall down like, oh, let's worship the baby. No, no, no. They didn't do that. What they did was they recognized the deity of the one they were worshipping. And that was God the Son, God incarnate in the human body. What were those gifts that they brought? Gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Why, why are these gifts so important? I'll tell you why. Because gold was the most beautiful, durable, malleable, conductive piece of... How should we say it? Ah, piece of metal, so to speak. There it is. There was the word. Couldn't think of it out of moment. Thank you, Lord. But it was the most precious metal of choice for kings and rulers throughout the ages. And you want to know what's interesting about gold? It doesn't tarnish and it doesn't change. And gold speaks of the deity of Jesus Christ. You see, there were three types of precious metal under the Old Testament that spoke about Christ. Gold, which represents his deity. The silver, which represents his salvation which represents redemption and his atoning work and salvation and bronze represents judgment in which he will return to judge the world and also too it was the right gift for the one who transcends time the eternal son of god and then there was frankincense frankincense was the most expensive gift because in the arabian peninsula near lebanon there was a tree known as the arbor thunafira now, this tree is so special because it has been tapped for its resin. And after the bark from the tree was cut and the excluding resin, which was like a type of um, oil that was coming from the tree, it was allowed to dry as nodules or tears. And after it dried, it was hardened. And then it was grounded into a fine powder. And when it was subjected to flames, it brought about a sweet aroma. And frankincense also dealt with the emphasis of worship and they would use frankincense within the altar of incense in the book of exodus 
And then you had myrrh, which was similar to frankincense, which was a rensin, which was extracted from a host of small thorny trees within the Middle East. And it was valued as a perfume incense and as medicine. Amen. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. This is some good stuff. And myrrh was also used as incense, perfume, and medicine, like I said. And it was also used to anoint the bodies of dead people so there wouldn't be such a bad odor on them. Now, why can we acknowledge the wise man? Why should we thank God for the wise man? I'll tell you why we should thank God for the wise man. Because first off, the wise men brought gifts and they worshiped Jesus for who he was. And not only did the wise men worship Jesus for who he was, we also honor him for who he is. And we must be willing to give him what is valuable to us. And the worship of the wise men indicated the recognition of the deity of the one whom they were worshiping. You know what the gifts represent? They represent our lives. The gold represents our timeless devotion to him. We must live in anticipation of the day in which we will see our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, face to face. Not only that, frankincense also represents the highest quality incense of service to him and to others. So we must go about serving with the heart of a servant. Amen? And then lastly, myrrh. We can live in the reality of having died with Christ and being raised to new life in Him. So as we conclude this segment, I want to ask you, are you worshiping Him this Christmas? Are you sharing Him this Christmas? And what gifts do you bring the King? Well, it's been an honor and a privilege to be in your homes tonight through this Anchor Podcast app. Tune in next time as we continue our series entitled Christmas on the Road as we examine the person of Jesus Christ behind the Christmas season. Until next time, God bless.